Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Attention pro athletes. Want to secure your financial legacy and thrive off the field? Oak Bridge Wealth Management, led by wealth manager Chris Anasetti, is your dedicated financial planning ally. But don't take it from me. Take it from the Dallas Cowboys' Tyler Biotish. He says, Chris set goals financially and has been incredibly impactful in my journey in the NFL. Experience our customized, comprehensive approach, trusted by top NFL players. Don't leave your financial success to chance. Connect with Chris on Instagram at OakbridgeWM underscore Anaceti. That's OakbridgeWM underscore A-N-I-C-E-T-E. And let Oakbridge Wealth Management guide you across the goal line. Welcome back to the Believe in Badgers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag and our friends over at Oak Bridge Wealth Management. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins. We're going to hop into our conversation here with Lamar Soup Campbell in just a second. We started recording last night. It was just kind of a conversation. We didn't even have time to get an intro. So uh, before we get into that incredible conversation, we had the best time with Soup. Want to remind everyone uh, to go check out our presenting sponsor, betonline.ag, where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at betonline.ag. MLB season, uh, we're in the thick of the pennant race now, less than two months left in the baseball season. Football starting tonight, as I record here on a Thursday with the Hall of Fame game. College football season just around the corner. Whatever your sport is, though, they've got it over there at betonline.ag. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V, BetOnline, where the game starts. And we are going to start sort of almost mid-sentence here with Soup because it was so good I just started recording and we just kind of got into it. So hope everyone enjoys our conversation with Soup. And uh, we'll see you on the flip side on Wisconsin. I was telling guys, you know, 8 o'clock. When you had to get up early because you had to be on the field at 8. They were knocking your door at like 6.15. 6.15 or the horn. Um, two hour, two and a half hour practices. You come in. Everybody had to fight over the cold tubs if you wanted to get some ice. <laughs> I remember us lining up getting IVs because it was so hot. It was crazy times. Then you get you do eight for an hour. Then of course you went back to special teams practice with shoulder pads. Forty five minutes. They got it out of us for forty five minutes to an hour. Went back maybe an hour nap. And remember the night practice. We get back on the field like 4 o'clock. Go for another two hours. And then imagine having to go there, watch all the film, install. And then intellectually carry that into the next morning and hope Coach Al didn't get on your ass for blowing any coverages. <laughs> so it was it was something right there, you know. <laughs> and and now it's I look back and I say, wow, I cannot believe I physically and mentally did that. Right. But then I can look back and go, wow, how the heck like I did that. Right. And now you know, you're right. The the way people are going about camps is very listen, I'm happy. I'm I'm yeah, happy that absolutely. it's not absolutely two, three practice. And if you had the weight lift, if it was defensive uh, day and you had to go work out, right. you felt like your break was like 30 minutes. Yeah, it was it was definitely tough. But you know, I think now what you see uh for us, we didn't know any different. 
it's just what you did, right? So it wasn't any complaining. It wasn't we have three practices a day because everyone was doing it. I think as the emergence of television, the emergence of business, you know, Big Ten now being coast to coast now, you know, we go coast to coast, Big Ten now, it becomes about the product. It becomes about the television and the television contracts and all of those. So you want your star players healthy. Uh, they deserve to be healthy. They deserve their NIL money. You know, I, I, I agree with all of that. You know, I, I remember what our lifestyle was, student athlete. So I agree with all of that. And that just kind of comes with the game. You know, I know all of us as older guys was like, damn, I wish we would have, you know, fought a little harder. But we all know what it was like, you know, after a big win. Go back to your house. You ate some oodles and noodles and kind of hung out that night or <laughs> Went to uh, got some gumbies, uh, some gumbies, pizza rolls, <laughs> or something sticks. like that, right? Some pokey sticks, right? That was what we knew, right? So, I'm proud of what we did. I'm proud we paved the way, you know, for those guys. I'm excited about those guys now having an opportunity to one stay healthy. You know, I had a chance. You know, I watched um, my freshman year lead to Ramos, the number one receiver. It was an argument between him and Michael Westbrook at uh, Colorado as the number one receivers in the country. And the practice, the Friday practice before we opened up against Eastern Michigan, Lee DeRamus breaks his leg and never really, you know, uh, gets free agent, or I think late draft pick to the Green Bay Packers, but was never the same, you know, player again. He was the first primetime player, uh, him and Brent Moss and those guys, you know, when I got to Madison, you know, some some really dogs, Corey Raymer, you know, all those guys like like that. Imagine if he would have had something to sit on, you know, financially, you know, for everything that he did for the university. You know, I think that would have been cool for him to have, for us to have. But I'm glad the guys today have it. It means a lot. Listen, I, we can go into 100 different areas with you, Sue, but that's right. what I love about you. <laughs> but I completely – that's what the NIL to me is should have should be set up to do. Right. Is the, right. the one percenters, the point one percenters who can make it in the NFL for a, right. a number of years. Listen, even if you make one year – you're making a salary of a someone coming out of college times like six people's salary coming out of college. Right? What's the minimum wage? Five hundred grand. Absolutely. I mean, I think your rookie contracts now, I think in the NFL, are seven hundred eighty thousand. I believe. So that's like that, I mean, if, if you give me fifty agent. grand, so that's like twenty people's salary. It's funny. We were having these conversations when I was back in Madison, uh, finishing up the masters, and I used to have these conversations about what it would look like. I've always been a fan of the 401k model. Um, give them the cost of tuition. They build up that equity when they decide, you know, to leave the university. Um, the only thing I don't like is because of compliance reasons. You know, you really can't help the kids out as much financially, you know, as you would want to taxes, things of that nature. Uh, how are the financial classes? Like, I think all those things come with NIL, the financial ed- education on how these guys and as somebody in the NFL now, Having somebody that one not only is talented, but we know that we can give him thirty million dollars at twenty-one years old and be responsible for it. I would kind of like to know what they did with their money in college. Like it kind of gives you a good trailer when you're a scout and you're out there looking for, you know, the type of guy you're looking for. Here's a guy that can handle the success, he can handle the money, he can take care of business, and he can be a great player for you. I mean, guys like that are blue chip players, you know, in in, in the NFL. So as long as the education is going along with it. Um, as long as guys are being educated on how money works and how it works and coming to business. And now you have guys coming to the NFL now that they have different aspirations. It's a business to them. They understand their market. They understand their value. And I think the more that people accept that, the better the league will will be for, for, for everybody that comes behind them. So obviously that's my opinion, but uh, <laughs> I've had this debate numerous times. But as a former student athlete, 
my vision's a little bit different. I look at it a little bit differently, I think, than a lot, a lot of people. But as a former student athlete who paved the way, we had Nigel yeah. Hayes on. And I'm yeah. that dude literally sat outside Absolutely. and paved the way. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and uh, and I think the way it should be set up, look, I got hurt. I, I went to the Lions and I got cut in camp. I mean, right. hardly any money. Right. They had to pay me because I got hurt. I mean, that's right. pathetic, but that's the mm-hmm. way the NFL works. Right. But imagine if I could have made money in college, not saying I would have I would have more of a safety net than right. to just be cut right. from a football team. And soup, you know this better than anything. Like when a dude has lost football, when he mm-hmm. should still thinking he should be playing, that right. broke like my heart. Yeah. And it was hard to yeah. do at least for you. Like I didn't want to get a job. I want to keep right. training. Right. You know, I tell guys all the time that this is the highest paying, highest paying part-time job you'll ever have because you're not going, you're not going to do it forever. You're going to have some guys are lucky enough to say, you know what, I'm going to play 10 years and walk away. I've been around double digit year players. We all know between injuries and numbers and age and everything that the average career is now about three years. Mm-hmm. So in your college career now at the NIL, if you're one of those guys and you don't pan out in the league, you may have potentially made more money in college than you made in your NFL career right right now. <laughs> in three years of college, if you're that good and you're leaving early, even in four years now, the way that things are set up. So that's why I think the the financial advice is big. I think, as you mentioned, too, you know, Hammer, that, you know, none of us, all of us think we should play longer than what? We, we we did that's just a competitor in us right that just mm-hmm. comes as part of the dna you want to compete you want to get out there and do it and even now it's tough for guys when that transition is made that's all you've known you've been regimented your whole life you, you've been you've been a ball player and yeah our education was great at wisconsin you know our ability to have a lot of conversations i, I believe the locker room is a microcosm of what we deal with every day we had guys from everywhere i didn't know who george thurgood was i mean i learned about so much music in, in the weight room, I didn't know who Kiss was. I didn't know who the hell the doors were, right? I was, I was a kid from Philly. Like, who, who the hell are these guys? But you give it your teammates and you talk about cultures and food and ways of life and, and, and different viewpoints. And those are the things that as student athletes, I think, prepared us for the world. But first things first, we knew we were there to get an education, but all of us wanted a career in football long term. I never played with a guy that didn't want to go to the NFL in, in some capacity. I, I think to, to put everything together, if, if you have the right education financially, you're making mm-hmm. money in, in uh, college. And let's say let's say you're the best player to come out and you get hurt and you never play again. Yep. But you are financially set is such a big, I don't know, jump from like right. where you are as 23 right. and to where you can be at 33, right. you know, 40. You're not fighting uphill. You are. Midway, you're you're just on a way to being financially happy in life, right. and you're not stressing as much as you could. And then you're also mentally thinking, like, "Wow, I should still be playing," but you know, it, yeah. To me, the NIL is set up to do the right things, as long as I hope it eventually does do that. I think so. I mean, you look at the economics; they just bought IMG Academy in Florida for about one point five billion. I believe they paid for it. That's high school. That's high school sports. One point five billion. I think Tua right. at Maryland said he just turned down one. 1.2 million for 1. another school. Million. One, one, 1.5 million for another school. And he's almost a senior. So that's a one year, that's a one year deal. 1.5 million, right? If he don't get drafted, that's going to be probably bigger than his sign of bonus, what he would have paid for his college, uh, his senior year, right? So, 
like I said, you have to with the Big Ten the way that it is now. We have to like we bringing in USA, UCLA, right? We're we're coast to coast. I love what we've done, you know, with the Big Ten. I remember when I'm old enough to remember when I was tight end stood straight up, right? I, I, I'm I'm that old, right? I'm, I remember those days when Iowa tight end stood straight up, and to see where the Big Ten has gone, to see where our university has gone. You know, when I got there, they were coming off their first Rose Bowl. Was my freshman year, they had just won the Rose Bowl the first time. So those bricks and those foundations were just starting to get built, right? So I think you, you know, all the guys that we play with are proud of foundationally, not only what we are as a program, but how we're continually expanding. And that comes with not only the football expansion, but the knowledge expansion with the financials, the NIL, how to set up our guys and our female student athletes, you know, for long-term success. Well, I feel like we've done 10 minutes of the show without even really starting Matt Perkins. (laughs) That's true. We have. That unfortunately hit the record button 10 minutes ago. So, um, (laughs) but we still should probably intro and Talk to who we got here. So uh, I will right. say welcome back to the Believe in Badgers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network presented by <laughs> BetOnline.ag and Oak Bridge Wealth Management. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined as always by my good friend, Badger legend, the Hebrew hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Bernie, how are we doing today? Man, every day with you is a is a holiday. I haven't seen you in a while. We've been record we've recorded so much content that now we have uh, we haven't been on the show for a while, but now we got one of my guys, <laughs> Hammer. the soup himself. Uh, dude, I love it. <laughs> I just, <laughs> you know, I just like Googled like Lamar Campbell and it's like soup because of his last name. I'm like, is that how it happened? That is how, so the first, our first <laughs> practice, uh, first off, guys, thanks for having me. Glad to finally make it on here, man. You guys have been killing it. Let me give you that love right now. Let me give you your flowers right now, man. You guys have been killing it. I remember when you guys first got started. You've grown. You're killing it. So congratulations on that. Um, the first practice that we had, I don't think Coach Alvarez, remember we had to wear our names on our uh, helmets when we first got our freshman year, so we had our names on our helmets. And uh, I think I did, I blew something. I don't want to curse on your show. So I'll You're allowed something. to. I don't don't worry say. about it. Dante yeah. Sanders broke down that barrier so long ago. You'll never hit his record. No one will ever hit the Dante's record. And Barry was trying to just trying to get my name out. He was like, Soup Campbell, whatever your name is. And ever since then, stuck. Never yeah. left. Never left. The Don. <laughs> the dot the go the the the, the um <laughs> dude the we didn't even have the w's on our helmet yet it was just plain white They're plain white right athletic tape like you were a little kid right and it just said like bernstein i i just remember right. looking at that going like man uh, this right. is embarrassing and you know it was like you coming from a, all, all of us were obviously good in high school to even get the madison right so we all had came in with chips on our shoulders and we're going to come in here and compete. And then when I got there, we didn't have a locker. It was all in the gymnasium. So we, if you, we were still all in the gymnasium and you didn't have a lock. You just had a metal chair. And I remember the white helmet and the stunk in there. It smelled like pads. And I remember the first thing is I hated my number. I hated 38. I saw that number. I said, it's no way in hell that y'all gave me 38. I was a single digit guy. I did a couple double digits for all-star games. 38? How ugly is 38, bro? I was like, 38? That's a fullback number. Bro, 38. It's a, f- 
It's a so, fullback number that nobody ever takes. I did my research. I had to, I had to find something good in it. And Nate Odoms, great Badger, played a long time for the Buffalo Bills, wore thirty eight, and I ended up playing as a freshman. And you know, having because I played as a freshman, I said, you know, I wanted to keep my number. Back then, what the crazy thing is, we couldn't even change our. It was it was a that was a discussion that was going to be an issue if you went to Barry or Peels or somebody and said, yo, those were just conversations you just didn't have in our day. Now guys change their numbers every year. It's guys with the same number, one on offense, one on defense. It was like, that's your number. You bet your ass better not complain about it. That's what you got to wear, and you better make it work. So 38 became 38 Super. became mine, man. Dude, first off, one, <laughs> I like how you owned it. I uh, own it, bro. Yo, I made you it work for literally me. I made it work. have been paving the way for every single person <laughs> Because when I got in, they gave me 49, and I'm like, oh, I hate this number. But Mark Bell had it the year before, and he switched, and he's like, oh, I got hurt with it. And my freshman year, I don't know if I got hurt, but <laughs> things happen where you're like, oh, right. you hurt your foot, you hurt something. You're like, right. I can't have 49. This thing is jinxed. Right. And then uh, Grison, uh, not retired, he left, and I'm like, man, I got to take 45. That's a right. solid number. Right. I think off of retirement, like when I got there, Sorrell Weems had seven. That was my high school number. And in all the All-Star games, I wore 11. Of course, that was Bev's number. And then obviously, I was the Bev was a senior my, my freshman year. And there really wasn't any other, other number that really appealed other than those two numbers. Seawee was another DB, you know, taught me a lot, mentored me a lot. So he was only a year above me. And then Bev was Bev. Like, there's no way in hell they was going to give me 11, you know, right after Bev <laughs> left. You know, first Rose Bowl champ. Like, I wasn't even going to fight that battle. So I was just going to make 38 work. Try to spice up the rest of my uniform so I look good on the field and make everybody remember 38. You know, shout out to Nate Odoms, you know, good looking. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, soup, let's go back to like little teeny soup. Right, Matt? Do we still have to do any more ad reads? I mean, let's, let's I, 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 I've got plenty of ad reads to do. I do want to mention to the good folks listening not just across the country, but across the world. Apparently, we're big in the Philippines. We've been a bunch of listeners in the Philippines. Shout out to all of our Filipino Badgers. Uh, we want to make Shout sure out, they and everybody around the globe knows that we are presented by betonline.ag, where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at betonline.ag. Football season is coming up, man. A couple more weeks, a couple more weeks, and we are going to be – in the thick of it, MLB's you know postseason is uh is coming up. You know postseason push. Bernie's Mets are selling off all their players. Uh, my beloved Braves are <laughs> killing everybody. I love to see that. So, but no matter who your team is, no matter where you live, you can head on over to BetOnline.ag and receive a fifty percent welcome bonus using our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V on your first deposit over at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline where the game starts. Let's start. Got a full bowl of soup here. Let's start with a little cup of soup, though. You know, <laughs> I love that. Let me get a soup and a salad real quick. So we'll, we'll, we'll start with a cup of soup. Uh, well, Matt Perkins, best intro you've ever done. I, you know <laughs> what? I, I, I Let me give you flowers. That was great. Well, thank you. Thank you. Cup of soup. Well, cup of soup. Chester, Pennsylvania, also the hometown of, of another Badger legend, Bo Ryan. So, yes, indeed. Uh, but let's mm-hmm. talk. Let's talk. Let's talk Eastern PA. You know right. how where where you where you coming from how do you get into life in general and football and athletics and sports man it was a um man you know it's it's funny you know you grow up on the on uh the neighborhood you know with the rest of the guys and you end up 
playing street ball, right? Just playing in the park, playing the street. You know, back uh, east, Eastern PA, obviously they put a basketball in your hands first if you didn't know that in Eastern Pennsylvania. It's not like the middle of the state. It's not like the Western part, like Pittsburgh and Allegheny where Billy Ferrario and those guys are from. Like those are football first kind of areas. Eastern Pennsylvania, they see if you play basketball first. And because I kept fouling out when I was young, they were like, oh, you should try football out. Like, I could jump, I could run, but fourth quarter, I probably had about four fouls, and I was, I was a little aggressive with my defense. So, um, And I was a smaller guy. I was, I was a smaller guy. I didn't really play organized sports seriously uh, really till my senior year of high school. Uh, one of my schools in the Catholic League of Philadelphia got shut down, and I went out to uh, Strathaven High School. Uh, Dan Connor, Mark Jones, you know, some of those guys that play in the league, uh, played for Kevin Clancy at that time. And I just felt as though, you know, give it a shot. You know, why not? Um, I'll be honest with you guys. I was I was a knucklehead and I was a knucklehead that didn't have to be a knucklehead. I had good people around me. Family was solid, you know, but neighborhood is a neighborhood. And when you're young and influential, you do, you know, some you, you do stupid, stupid things. Um, let's say I, I allegedly got into some trouble. And had a chance, you know, uh, school closed down and I was looking for it. So, you know, a lot of times just do something, get the aggression out. I was a track guy. I was all American in track, killing it in track. And we had a really great track program. School shuts down. So me and my track buddies decided to go to this one school together, which was Strathaven. We all wanted to stay together because in the Catholic League at that time, you couldn't go to the state championship. So we won the Catholic League every year. But we wanted a state championship and the four of us, we were all going our senior year. And it was like a we were being recruited without knowing we were being recruited because when the school shut down, what the district did is they gave you an opportunity to visit other schools. You could take a day, go visit the other schools. See was one you wanted to transfer to. And they would have our jerseys out with your jersey number on there at different schools. And it was like, OK, you know, and then, you no, know, OK, this is nice. This is nice not knowing. But. Uh, track was still home you know track was still what I felt as though I had a chance to you know make my career in and this team that I had transferred to at that time they were they were a really good football team they had a guy a year before uh, go to West Virginia had a couple of guys going D1 um, and I just kind of did it to get in shape for track I wasn't even going to play football and so the first pre I was kind of going through the motions in camp whatever that was in high school and like the first preseason game um I catch a hitch and I'm knocked out. I mean, he kills me. We're scrimmaging against somebody. Mouthpiece flies out. So I go to my quarterback. I might throw the same pass again. He's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, no, throw the same pass again. He throws the same pass and I um, catch the ball, go for about a 90 yard touchdown. And coach comes up. He said, can you do that all the time? I said, look, man, if you tell my mom I'm doing good, I'll score as many touchdowns as you want me to. And that was the deal. And we ended up having a great undefeated season. Uh, my quarterback went to Purdue, Isaac Jones. Uh, I had a chance to go to Wisconsin. Um, made my commitment before that. Um, funny story, when Barry came to recruit me, um, it was him, Brad Childress, and Billy Callahan. And they had just came from Mike Samuel's house. And I was in a really, uh, really, really pretty bad neighborhood at the time. Um, and Barry, you know, Barry likes his Cadillacs now. So Barry's in his Cadillac is him, Brad Childers and Bill Callahan. And uh, at this time, most of the schools that were recruiting me would always want to meet me at the high school. 
Now, the high school I ended up transferring to was a really nice high school. It was like night and day. They had up-to-date books. They had they had a lunchroom. Like I, I wasn't coming from any of that. So a lot of recruiters felt safe meeting me at school. Uh, Huber met me at school. Jim Coach Huber met me at school a couple of times. Barry, Brad, and Chili came to the hood. I mean, the guys are on the corner doing what they do. Barry pulls up with the Cadillac and he goes, Hey, I'm looking, I'm looking for soup. You guys are like, Who are you? What school are you? Well, you here recruiting. Coach has a conversation with the, the guys hustling on the corner. The guys walk him up to the house. And I I mean, I'm so embarrassed. I mean, the helicopter was out looking for somebody that had stole something. And I'm like, oh man, he going, he not, he not gonna offer me, man. This is gonna be terrible. And he came in, he sat down, he talked to my parents. Said he wanted me at Wisconsin. And because he came to the house, nobody came to the house. The minute he walked into that house, I knew I was going to Wisconsin. Barry, that, Brad, and Billy crazy asses came to the hood to get yeah. me. And I respect that. And that's how I ended up in UW. So I don't think Barry's scared. Well, he's from Pennsylvania. But I don't yeah, think he's, he's scared. Any, he's yeah. not really scared of any of that. He's, he's he'll don't pull flinch, in front of your right? house no matter where. Right. Don't anywhere. flinch. Don't flinch. And uh, I, I respected that. Um, I shut down all my visits. Um, I committed. And the rest is uh, Madison history right there. So Wait, I think what, I was still uh, learning the game of football when I got to Madison. I really had been that experience. Um, but I don't know if you guys remember. So Floyd Wedderburn at the time uh, was a senior at Upper Darby High School. He was the number one lineman in the nation. So everybody came to see him. Like, everybody was at the game to see Floyd Wedderburn. And it, we, we both were undefeated at the time, like 6-6. Six and six. And I had a monster game. I mean, two touchdowns, a pick, a lot of chase down tackles. I mean, I had a monster game. Joe Paterno called the house, like, that next week, and my mom hung up on him. And she thought somebody was pranking. Like, she's like, who the hell is Joe Paterno calling you talking about you can play football? My family didn't know that I could play. So I was like, well, I guess he th- I guess they think I can play. And he never called back. <laughs> he never called back. Um, and then the other call started coming in. So I was Virginia Tech and Michigan State and uh, Syracuse, you know, a lot of those East Coast schools. And uh, me being a knucklehead that I was, you know, I thought my family thought it'd be good for me and the decisions I was making to get further away from school. Um, I was really leaning towards Florida at, at, at the time, uh, but they wanted me at receiver. Uh, but when Barry showed up to the house, I mean, that was pretty much as a guy that values respect, you know, for him to show up, talk to the brothers on the corner, had him walk him to the house. I mean, a copter's overhead. He goes, damn, Super, who they looking for? They're not looking for you, are they? I'm like, oh, no, nah, coach, they're not, they're not looking for me. <laughs> it was all said and done from there, man. I, uh, I uh, committed to Wisconsin, you know, right before the Rose Bowl, before they flew out for the Rose Bowl that year, uh, I committed. And we had a big watch party on January 1st, and I watched my new team that I had uh, just committed to kick UCLA's ass. And I knew I was on my way to Madison. Did you win the the state championship in track? We did. <laughs> we oh, did. Nice. We what did. was it in? We did. We won uh, we, as a team. So we won the four-by-one. We won the four-by-four. Four. Uh, second place in the long jump, second place in the triple jump, and then a couple of my guys won a 200 won a 400, won a 100, and team cumulative points. We went and finally got our state title, Strathaven, 19, 1994 state champions, all, all, all Americans. 
all of us. Congratulations. Yeah, man. Mission accomplished, right? And I got right. a scholarship and I got a scholarship out of it. So you know it's a win-win, you know? So so you show up, who's your who's your host? And like what are you doing? So Reggie Torian. Reggie Torian okay. is my host. Reggie Torian is my host, uh wide receiver from uh Chicago. Mm-hmm. Reggie Torian is my host. You know what we did, Hammer. <laughs> Uh, it was it was kind of snowing, you know. It was snowing on my visit. That didn't bother me being an East Coast kid. I mean, snow is snow, ball is ball. Um, the party they took me to was really good. It was a really, really, really nice party. The ladies were nice. The campus was nice. And at that point, it was first time I ever been on an airplane. First off, funny story. They flew me up first class, but flew me back coach. So that's another story, right? But they flew me up first class. And that's when we used to stay. They used to give you the big cookie, you know, with your name on it. And uh, it was just a good time. I sat down with Barry. Um, what he talked about my future, I looked at, you know, the guys that were there before um, that had came through, you know, and played the game. And I, I, I say this even now because it fits my personality. I like to build, whether it's relationships, whether it's cultures, whether it's organizations. Like, I, I love the part of being a part of building something, Right. And Barry told me that they were building something. He said it wasn't going to be easy. It was going to be tough. You know, this was three years after he had just took over. And, you know, he was talking about earning what you kill, eating what what you kill. Like you were going to have to come in and work. Nothing was going to be handed to you. Um, And I respected that. I wanted to be a part of building something. Right. There were a lot more established programs and that have been around for a while. But Barry, the culture, what he was building I think I bought into that vision of, of being a special program and turning that program around. Um, that appealed to me, the person that I am, you know, the values that I was brought up with, that hard work appealed to me. And uh, I wanted, I wish I would have asked about my number on that. You know, I wish I would have had that conversation <laughs> looking back on it, but everything else was lovely. I was bought in. I wanted to be a badger. I wanted to throw the W up. Um, and I think the real excitement started. I didn't really know. Cause Nobody in my family had ever got recruited before, so we didn't really know how to handle the situation, I would say, like it is now, just a machine. But for me, when we won the Rose Bowl and you're sitting there watching it and all your friends are over the house and it's the history, it's Brent Moss, it's Terrell Fletcher, you know, it's, it's, it's Jeff Messenger, it's all these dudes out there, Corey, Corey Ramers, the Jeff Verstegans, you know what I mean? I can go on and on and on. Jamel Browns, Kenny Gale, like all these dudes, and you're watching big-time college football, and it hits you. Not only did your school just run a Rose Bowl, but you'll be there in six months competing to get these guys. So I think that's when it really hit me. The Rose Bowl victory was when, okay, it's, it's time. I'm getting ready to go ahead and play big-time college football and for something that I believe in. I had, I had no concerns of going far from home. I had no concerns. I knew I was going to play in a big-time college football program and go kick some ass in the Big Big Ten. That was, that was the goal. And Joe Paterno never called me back. So I was like, wherever I go, I want to play Penn State. Like, I'm going to see you again. I'm going to see you again. So, <laughs> well, Don't yeah, worry. Man. The dude never called my house, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny story. Oh, so it's a, it's a Pennsylvania all-star game called the Big 33. Yeah. Uh, Pennsylvania against Ohio. And Kevin Huntley is a senior on a Big 33 uh, Ohio team. And so they're going through, they, they, they call your name out, like when you, before you play the game. And it's Southern Central Ohio State, Southern Central Ohio State, Southern Central Ohio State, Kevin Huntley, Wisconsin, Southern Central Ohio State, you know, whatever. whatever. Then they go to P, the PA side. 
such and such Penn State, such and such Penn State, such and such Penn State, Lamar Campbell, University of Wisconsin. And we found each other when you go, you, you go shake hands. And we found each other when it was time for us to shake hands before the game. We were like, we about, we about, we about to show them what's going on in Wisconsin when we get there. Let's, let's start right here at Hershey, PA. And uh, we both had a good game. And then we ended up being roommates when we got to the seminary. So it all worked out. Yeah, so I met, I met Kev the first time in the Big 33. And uh, we ended up being roommates at the seminary. Ended up being roommates our whole time through college as well, too. So, yeah. The, the Big 33 was like pre-Facebook. It's like that's yes. how you met your roommate. It was yeah. like, oh, yeah, we played in an all-star game together. Played an all-star Which game is, together. Yeah. The first time you showed up to campus pre your first season was at to go to the seminary? Straight from the car to the seminary. Like, no, wait, hold on. Go, go back. Like my That's family, traumatizing. My, so my family drove. We took. We drove to Wisconsin. <laughs> they Look, look, they drove to Wisconsin because they wanted to go to Mall of America. So they said, oh, we're going to drop you off in Madison. And then we're going to go to the... Then we're going to go to the Mall of America in Minnesota. Then we're going to go back home. So I think we stopped in Madison. We stopped by the lake for a second. And I mean, when I say for a second, for a second, I didn't see any of canvas. Took me right up to the seminary, dropped me off, and they kept it moving all the way to Minneapolis. So you didn't even bring a fan? I didn't know. I didn't know. Now, Smooth had a fan. Kev had a fan. Smooth had a fan. Thank God. Smooth had a fan. But you didn't know. I mean... <clears throat> I was so naive to the process. Like I said, I really only had been playing organized ball for that year, really. You know what I mean? That my, my my senior year. So I was still learning the game. I didn't know the nuances. I didn't know to bring a fan or bring all the things that you would need to be comfortable at camp. I had never been to a camp before, right? I, what the hell? Like, what the hell is football camp? Like, we just went to school and played in the in the practice field. So going away to camp was uh was was, was different, but. Great experience, one traded for nothing, lifelong friendships, you know, lifelong jokes, lifelong instances that you'll, you know, never, never forget. And uh, I had some really good coaches, man. I mean, I had Jay Norvell, I had Bill Callahan, I had Brad Childress, I had obviously Barry Alvarez, uh, uh, McCarney, like, I mean, all the Palermo, like all these guys, you know, Kaz, you know, guys that are still coaching today, Coach Hayes, like some great guys. I had great coaches around me. Um and I think about what it would have been if I'd have went somewhere else, and I you, you never know. But I still feel as though I made the right choice going to Madtown. I feel it was the right choice, choice for me, no doubt at all. Dude, the best thing that happened to me was showing up a couple weeks before camp started, and everyone's like, "Dude, you don't need to bring anything but a fan." Yeah, you didn't hot. need clothes because they had clothes. Like you didn't the really rugs. need anything. You had, you had your just rugs, you your, your yeah. rugs, and the uh, red shorts and the hag the. Uh, the great but nobody teams. wore underwear. Everyone wore their uh, shorts and no ruts yeah, to, to, to walk around. So yeah. you just never needed anything. That's true. Um, That's true. So by my senior year, I basically took out like a TV, uh, Xbox, <laughs> and like sandals. Like that was you it. Were and like three, and, you were vet and three by fans. Then. You were vet by yeah, then. Wait, no AC. Yeah, like, that's nuts in the winter, in the summer. In, uh, yeah. kind of, it's crazy. It's um, crazy. Um, but I would say human. it was – you know, it's tough on Pratt. It's just ruthless. Yeah. But um, it's it's amazing that you say that because those experiences are so different. Now these kids are having it again, even though right. it's a, a way different atmosphere, whatever it right. is. But the 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 community, the the friendships, like nobody's not your friend there, really. Right. It, it's just a weird – unless you don't sit in a, a room with a 
group of people for a long time and you're all doing the same thing. Like it's, it's hard to explain, but, um, but dude, to go sleep somewhere and only do football for like right. weeks on end is wild to think about. And people need to understand when we say seminary, that's not a nickname. It's literally <laughs> a, a, like a, 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 a religious seminary where we went. So you had the basics of life. It wasn't, I remember Coach Chili shut down a game room and it was nothing but like a pool table. Like, shut it down for what? There's nothing in there. Like, what, you even, what are we even doing? It was the it was a, a very humble, you know what? But I, I look at it and that was very humbling because it wasn't all the bells and whistles. It was supposed to be tough. It was supposed to be awkward. It was supposed to be uncomfortable. I think that's the mindset that Coach Alvarez, you know, wanted for us anyway. I remember, you know, the floors, at night, I remember the veterans, you know, opening up your door and throwing water on you in the middle of the night. You know, all kind of all kind of crazy stuff used to happen. Um, but the camaraderie that was there, we didn't have phones. Everybody had to fight for that one pay phone when I was downstairs in the uh in the game room. So nobody had cell phones. Um, all you had was your music and you had your brothers that you played with. And you guys, we we hung out, what was it, three weeks long, two and a half, three weeks when we were there. Um you were lucky enough somebody had a car and you could, you know, drive on your night off down, the, you know, down to the, to the city or whatever. You know, if, if your legs worked that day, yeah. if you weren't too sore. Um, so, I mean, it was it was an experience that even now. A lot of teams don't go to camp because they have these phenomenal facilities and they shouldn't. Right. Economically, why go to camp? But mm-hmm. I think when you look back at our era of ball, we saw the benefit of that bond and that camaraderie that we that we built together. Like I said, the locker room was a microcosm. Like you got to know guys from all over the country, different walks of life, different races, different kinds of food, different cultures. And you just kind of had a chance to meld and build that bond that you were going to need going through a grueling Big, Big Ten schedule. So it's something that you started to look forward to as the years went on in Madison. It's getting to camp, being with your brothers and just being, being about ball. And, and and you're right. It 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 doesn't matter who you are, what religion. It, none of that right. matters because you're only playing football, and your yeah. goal is to do well in the season, to win every game, to win the big. Yep. Th- it's it's. You're right. It is a pretty special because you have dudes from everywhere, everywhere, man, everywhere, everywhere. I mean, I tell people all the time, my musical palette was developed in Madison. I mean, it was groups. Like I guess I told you guys earlier, man. Like I didn't know who George Thurgood was. I didn't know who. The Doors were, you know, I didn't know who all these classic, you know, rock bands from the 70s. And I mean, Michelle Williams. I mean, I had the hippie dudes in there from Cali that played the mamas and the pop. And I'm like, oh, that, that, that got a good vibe. What's that? You know, all I had was my East Coast music. Like, that's all I had known coming up, you know, in, uh, in South Philly. So you start to learn. You start to respect guys. You start to understand different perspectives. And But at the end of the day, the ultimate goal was us to go out there and win. And you were able to look by a lot and be able to be understanding because we all became family. We all became family to this day. So I think those are bonds that we have that are one not 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 only special but unique. You know, we're, we we were lucky to play college ball and we're lucky to have those relationships as well. Uh, and I think the shared experiences are what why we're friends. Like right. We didn't overlap right. at all. Um, right. And I think that's special because we all know what we went through. Right, <laughs> especially when JD and, was a strength coach, you know. Expect, so, I, yes, I was now. about to say, come on was now. JD the strength coach? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And JD, look, 
I had a young spry JD too. I didn't have an old John Deadman. I had a young spry yelling in your face, Deadman. Oh my God, man. The stadium steps and uh the morning. I remember one time we came in. I don't know if JD gave you guys a sniff test. He would come in, like he knew you guys were off the night before, right? So you would come in and you were doing your stretching, and he'd come by and go, Oh, you smell like you had a good time last night. <laughs> and remember. Remember that remember remember the uh was 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 he doing a station workouts when you would go to different stations? Mm-hmm. JD would drag a trash can behind a guy if he thought he was too drunk. <laughs> he would drag a trash can to every station and wait for you to throw up. <laughs> I'm not gonna name the player he did it to. I said I will never be on JD's list for that. I remember that never. like yesterday, and I remember being in shock, like Jesus, right? Like, what is what is going on? That was a shock moment. The other shock moment was, you know, Bill Callahan still coaching in, in the NFL now, one of the great O-line coaches ever. And we were and we started to pump out O-linemen like crazy. Like that was Corey Ramers and those guys senior year was mm-hmm. my was my freshman year. And they all were huge. I mean, Wisconsin dudes, man, six five, six seven, you know, huge dudes. Coach Callahan, every bit of you know, five eight, maybe five nine, and I remember him jumping up and uh, grabbing Verstegen's helmet. Verstegen's like six five and pulling it down to his height. I think one of the old linemen, and he's telling the old lineman, "If you miss that block again, you know I'm gonna put this knee." And he was kind of twitching his knee, and I was like, "Yeah, this ain't high school no more." Bro. He's, these cats out here a little bit different. I need to go ahead and get my, get my stuff together, man, because I don't want nobody twitching his knee at me. Like, it's going to be a problem. So let me go ahead and take care of my business. But uh, those are the moments. Like, and look at the O-line, man. He's, he's put together. I mean, everywhere he's been, his O-lines have been great, right? And I think that we saw that happening at Wisconsin. So we look at even Barry's his history, right? When I was back in Madison, having some good conversations with Barry, the company you keep matters. Barry was a student of Hayden Fry, Lou Holtz. He spent some time in Kansas State, right? He came from a nice tree of coaches. And you think back and you sit back and be like, wow, we actually have that knowledge and that wisdom in us because we had a chance to spend four or five years with some high-level coaches. Brad Childers has been a head coach in the NFL, right? We, we've had some wise guys and great coaches, you know, Give us some one-liners. Give us some wisdom. You know, give us some great stories. Um, you soak that up. That kind of becomes a part of your culture. You know, to co- kind of to learn lessons as, as a college football player. Um, I had Phil Elmation. Phil Elmation sent guys to the league left and right. I don't know if Elmo was still there when you were there, Hammer. But um, Elmo told me one time, and I don't want to break the curse record here, but Elmo told me one time, if you're looking for sympathy, Look it up in the dictionary between S and tears. And I think you can mention, you can figure out what the what the S word was. And I use that, I use that shit to this day. I use that shit to this day. You look up for sympathy, look it up in the dictionary between bleep and tears. And man, I wanted to laugh, but he was cussing me out when he was saying it, so I couldn't laugh. But that's that's kind of become a staple in my uh in my vernacular in in in, in the football world. Because sympathy and A is, is just not here for you in this world. So the great dude. No, no, it, great it dudes, man. It, great, great dudes. dudes. It definitely wasn't. Um <clears throat> great dude. I would say that some 
people like you and me can take that kind of coaching. Yeah. And I think there yeah. are a lot of people who can, although it's, that was the culture back then. I think it, it shifted yeah. as, mm-hmm. as you know, better than I do, since you're still in the game that you can't talk right. to people like that anymore. I think this though, and I, I, I say this a lot. I've never met a coach. I never met a player that didn't want to be great and didn't want to be paid. I haven't met too many coaches that didn't want to be great and didn't want to be a head coach. So as professionals, you got to figure it out. You got to work together to figure it out because on any level of football, the ultimate goal is to win a championship, to run through the wall for the guy next to you. You want to, you want to build that. And I think because of the differences of maybe, I don't want to say not going away, but because the, the individualized aspect of the game now with social media and everybody on their phones, like, you still got guys winning great championships, but you look at the guy, you look at the programs that are successful now collegially, and they're pretty tight programs. The coaches are pretty, you know, old school or new school. I've, I've seen it work both ways. I've seen a new school approach work and Clemson and what they do and, and, and how they recruit and how they have fun. And I've seen the old school where they work in Alabama, the old school hard nose, run you into the ground ball. So it can work both ways, but, the mission remains the same. The guys kind of the way you build your camaraderie, your culture and how you're able to connect the player, connect to a player staff for me is an underrated um, advantage. The staff that you build, your assistant coaches, your support staff. I think that's an underrated um, advantage. If you have people that can connect the players, some guys need to be loved on. Some guys need to be, you know, cursed out. Some guys need to, some guys don't like being yelled at in front of other people. If you have a group of people that are diverse enough to understand how to relate to your players, I think you got a championship ball club. Because I say all the time, I may have 90 guys on a roster, but I have to say the same thing 90 different ways because all their personalities are different, right? You just can't say one thing. One fit for one guy is not going to fit for the next guy, right? And that kind of time, I truly believe, builds championship culture. I think, I think we had that. We had cool coaches. We had Coach Mason, who was cool, right, laid back, you know, kind of that dad figure for everybody and pulled you to the side and put his arm around you. And then we had Hughes, you know, and we had Billy Callahan. And we had, you know, we had, we had, we had, we had some guys that, you know, probably broke every curse word record you guys could ever think of. So, I mean, we had, we had a good balance of guys. We had a really good balance of dudes. Attention athletes. Do you want a frictionless and tailored financial planning experience to secure your future? Well, look no further. Introducing Oak Bridge Wealth Management, the premier financial planning firm for professional athletes. Led by wealth manager, Chris Anasetti, our team provides a unique and comprehensive approach, ensuring your financial success both on and off the field. We understand the unique challenges you face as a professional athlete, from managing cash flow habits to planning major business purchases and navigating complex contracts. That's why we've developed a proven process, working closely with our strategic partners to provide seamless solutions for your unique financial journey. Our services evolve with your career, offering short, mid, and long-term goal setting, portfolio optimization, real estate investments, and more. As you transition to life beyond the field, we support you with career development and philanthropic ventures. But don't just take our word for it. Top NFL players like Chase Roulier, Tyler Biotish, Alec Ingold, and more trust Oak Bridge Wealth Management to guide them towards financial success. Troy Dye of the Minnesota Vikings says, 
I really love the work that Chris and the rest of the Oak Bridge group do. I especially like the honesty and transparency when it comes to setting up financial goals and plans that best fit my needs and situation. It's time to elevate your financial game plan. Connect with Chris on Instagram at OakbridgeWM underscore Anacete. That's OakbridgeWM underscore A-N-I-C-E-T-E. And join the winning team. Because you talk about those relationships with the players. More and more we see... We've seen coaches moving around from school to school, job right. to job. That timeline has accelerated. You know, you talk about some of these guys that were on staff. Some of those guys were on staff. I mean, I think Coach Cos was there for like 10 years. Coach Brian White was there for eight yeah, years, White. 10 years. Yeah. Coach Cosgrove mm-hmm. there for a long time. Some of these guys for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now you see right. guys ascending through the coaching ranks, stops for one year two years right. if someone's right. at a place for three years it's like what's wrong with him unless they're a head right. coach i just I'm, I'm curious to what you think about that and how you've seen that sort of progressing and sort of the pros and cons there i think i think what you have is um i think the growth of our sport economically everything's always tied to the e- economics of it right so if you're a family man and you got two kids and you may like the guys where you are, you know, a $500,000 pay raise to come and do the same job at a potentially better program. If you have aspirations to be a head coach, um, I think you're taking care of your family. You know, I can't be against anyone that wants to be able to do that. I don't think the same, the same money wasn't there as well either in college football. when we, we, we were playing like coaches weren't getting paid the same thing. So now it becomes an arms race with facilities. It becomes an arms race with the boosters. It becomes an arms race with, you know, getting the kids now for NIL money. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's, it's, just, it's just a different time we're in. So I think if you follow the economics of it and you're trying to move up that ladder, I think you're going to put yourself in the best position to um, to um, be where you think you can be to get to that elevation. I think it's not that the coaches leave. I think the players should be able to leave if that's the case. If you came to play for a coach and – He's, you sign and he leaves. I think you should have the availability to go to somewhere else because you may have came just for that coach. I think a coach has every right to leave a program if it's better for his family and a better opportunity, you know, for him. What I would like to see in that is the lack of BS. Be honest about your decision. Don't BS the kid. Kid, don't BS the coach. You know what I mean? Just have some honesty and some integrity to what you're doing. And I think that's, hey, coach, I, I came to play for this coach. He's leaving. He was the guy I came to play for. I'm either going to follow him or go somewhere else. I have nothing to do with you or your program, but this is the man that got me to sign. This is the man that I believed in. You know, put me in that situation. If Barry Alvarez leaves Wisconsin and, and, and I'm there and he goes to another school, do I, do I follow Coach Al? That's who I came to play for, right? If he says, Super, I want you to come with me to wherever, put me in that place now going back, you know, at that time, I may have made the same decision. That was the man I bought. It was his vision that I bought in, right? So I don't blame these young men. Um, I don't blame the coaches. I think you just got to see when, when money's involved, a lot more decision-makings happen. Um, you have to do what's best for your family. I'm, I'm fully supportive of that. I think there's loyalty there, but you got to show loyal loyalty too, right? You want me to stay, pay me to stay. I mean, I think that's just the business now, right? And the good coaches, they ain't going to where Clemson coach getting good money. Bama coach getting good money. Georgia coach getting good money because we value, we see what you do, we want, and we want you to stay. When that value leaves and you losing, 
the paychecks will probably be different. That coach may end up somewhere else, right? You just got to follow the economics of it, right? So I'm not necessarily um, against it in any way, but as long as it's done with integrity and honesty, I fully, I fully support kids and coaches changing programs if necessary. I don't disagree, but it seems like in today's day and age, it is so easy to just up and leave. Right. Well, the AAU kids, Bernie, like, remember when you play in the in, 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 in the in basketball, whatever sport, no matter what, you stayed with your team back in the day. Yep. Like, no matter how good you were, your neighborhood team was your neighborhood team. Like, you went to war with those guys, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the era now, man. Guys are recruiting each other. Hey, man, like, come over here, play with me, come cross town, play with me. So you have to adapt to what's going on with their environment. They've never, these younger kids have never necessarily had a loyal environment. It was, I'm going to go to the best team. I'm not going to stay here on my block because y'all garbage. I ain't playing with y'all. I'm good enough to go play with these guys. I'm going to go over. So it's, 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 it's kind of an era. It's kind of an era. And what I, especially in my role, the one thing I do not try to be is the old get off my lawn old man. Like I fight every day not to be that guy. Oh, this is how we did it in my day. And this, that, and the third. These guys keep me young. We have very intelligent conversations about how they came up and how they viewed sports. And the super team on the NFL level or the NBA level is the same thing in high school now. So we can't expect these kids to have the same mindset that we had because we came up different. They came up with y'all got better shoes over here on this team. So I'm coming over here to y'all and y'all got better, 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 better players. That's just what they've done their whole life. So I used to say this in recruiting all the time. You can give me a kid at 17 for four years, but I also have to work with the 17 years of me not having him. Who he is when he gets here, I can only try to help him learn and improve on that. But the core of who he is is already set. So you got to work with the core of who that guy is. And most of these kids came up in the AAU change teams era. Most of these kids got 10, 15 different jerseys in in in, in in a locker. I guess I I never teams. I never thought of it like that. I, that's yeah, a good a perspective. Era. Yeah, it's a different Because I, you're right. Because when I, when we grew up, now I'm like the old man. Right. Uh, you love, like, I'm a sucker. Matt Perkins too. Like, I love the Jets. They have never done anything for me. Right. Ever. <laughs> uh, the Knicks. Who else? The Rangers. The Rangers are not so bad, but I'm not a hockey right. man. And then uh, who's my basketball? Who's my baseball? The Mets. Look at what they're doing now. They're selling all their dudes. Selling everybody. Um, so you're right. So you're, you you growing up in like you have allegiance to these teams and you right. love them no matter what. But these kids aren't growing up that way. They which are. is why which is why we love Jordan, which is why our era loves Jordan. And the younger kids see nothing wrong with KD or Brian jumping around like that's just what they're used to. So, of course, they see nothing wrong with it. In our era, whoever you drafted by, that's who you stay with. That's who you retire with. Like, that's just what we did, but it's not what these kids today do. And that's what you have to open. That's what I encourage people to open their minds to is to meet these mm-hmm. kids where they are and understand their mindset is completely different than ours. Completely different. Robin on three, four teams, like, that's blasphemy to us. Jordan going <laughs> to New York or Jordan going to Detroit and battling out with, like, no, you stay with who you stay with until you got good enough to win a championship. That's just not how it's done today. It's just not. It's just not how it's done. <laughs> well, and going off that, like you're, we, us old men, we're not exposed to right. other options. If I yeah. played, you know, if I was a really good 
baseball player. I am playing on my town little league team, my high school team, and maybe maybe if I'm really good, I'm playing like a pony league, like a travel league team. Yeah, travel league. Yeah, travel league. Well, that's travel league. And yeah. that's really about it, right? Or I mean, AAU, same thing. Like like basketball. Like it's it's like I'm playing for my 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 town's team. And and that's right. what's up. But I and also I'm not seeing all this other stuff on my phone. I'm not. I don't. Right. I don't know about stuff that's going on in high schools in Florida and California and where I'm growing up in Rochester, New York. Like that's just not happening. Right. 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 I think when you look at the elite athletes, let's, let's let's just call it what it is. The elite athletes. You know, famous man Bill Parcells. Everybody's treated fair. Not everybody's treated the same. Right. It just is what it is. Right. The elite athletes are going to have more opportunities to have those experiences. Those are the guys that are going to go to the Nike camp, the Jordan camp, things like that. Now you're going to have some guys that are late bloomers. You know, they're going to play in all the regular leagues. They're not going to get a lot of hype. They're going to go to college and probably become very, very good. They were late bloomers talent-wise. But when they spot that talent early, no way in hell. You're going with who got the best sneakers, who's going to travel on the best bus, who gonna play the most? And if you, I mean, most of the guys are still competitive, so who are gonna play in the best leagues? If you want to get to the ultimate league, you want to test yourself against the best. And I don't know any competitor that's gonna lower his standards and say, "I want if I want to be the best, I have to go against the best." Iron sharpens iron in every industry, every culture, every sport. <clears throat> yeah, the shoes are cool. Yeah, the bus is cool. But if I'm a DB and I'm playing against the number one wide receiver, I want to be in the league where I'm playing against him. I want his best. I want to test myself to be his best. So the competitor is still there, but let's rewind it back to 14, 15, 16 years old. You're not going to turn down the fresh Jays. You're not going to turn down the new, the new uniform. I mean, we, they, they, these are still kids making mm-hmm. decisions. So I'm not as tough on them as, as some people. Cause I, I always take myself back. What was I doing at 15 years old? What was my decision making? Like, right? Like you got to kind of take, take it back to those days and realize like, this is just what they are. It's, it's just a different era. Um, you eat what you kill. And if you're talented enough and you're a blue chip athlete, you're going to get more exposure, more opportunities. And I don't think loyalty is there. I think it's going to give me the best opportunity to be great. You, you know? And you know what? I, you, you brought up a great point. I think in people's closets, they have multiple jerseys. Don't care so much about the team, but more about the individual player. Right. So I think that is that is a great perspective that has definitely shifted in and my I, brain. And, like, I, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this for all our young, young, younger viewers. I'll say that as a culture, I know there are young guys out there that, that are loyal. I know there are guys out there sure. that want to say, you know what, I may be the greatest guy, but I'm not leaving my high school. I'm staying in my high school. I'm staying in my district. Like, I know there are guys out there that do that as well. But a majority – it just ain't, it's just not the same. The mindset is, is the same. Does, 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 doesn't make them bad guys. Doesn't make them bad people. You know, anything like that. Just the mindset is just okay. For us, you know, especially for, I mean, you got to understand too, Hammer. We from the East Coast, man. Like, our loyalty, the way we look at, you you roll with your block. Like, like that's just who you roll with. That was kind of how we kind of came up. Like, your neighborhood is your neighborhood, right? You took pride in that, right? But <laughs> as kids become more worldly, they become more connected. You got technology now and and the internet, you can find talent anywhere. Like, we were homegrown. Like, you were lucky. Do I go to Wisconsin if all those coaches aren't there to watch Floyd Wedderburn play? As good as I was. First year, really, 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 really playing ball. Well, I've been on any four-star, five-star list. I didn't go to any camps. Everybody came to see Floyd Wedderburn play. And just happened to see me have an amazing game, right? So 
it's just different now with technology and the way that they recruit and how you can find kids now and kind of encourage them, you know, to get out there and play against the best. And if I was in that position, I want to play against the best too. Soup, I love, I love the, I love the, we, dude, we are, we're almost at our time and we haven't talked about your football career <laughs> at all. Um, well, I think your, your perspective on like the athletes' minds today are right. very special because um, right. you're in it and you see it all the time. Um, and I, I mean, I, I have so many places to go, but I don't know how much time we only have three minutes. <laughs> uh, Soup, do you have like an extra 15? I mean, I know you're at camp. It's. Uh, I got 15 for my badges. I got 15, okay. 15 got more. 15. Okay. We'll stop in 50 minutes. Um, so Soup, let's, let's go through quick then. Like how was it to step on the field? at camp ran to like run through, you know, the, the walk through the hallway like we used to and you know, through the I, crowd. I'll be honest with you, Hammer. I don't think you really realized how special it was till it was over. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. It wasn't until I got to the league and I got to Detroit and you're not playing for money in college, right? Like that's not the goal when you get when when you at Wisco. You're playing for the Rose Bowl. You're playing for playing for your brothers next to you, right? You're playing for the roar of Camp Randall. And I remember we weren't that good my first year. We weren't that good many years in Detroit, but my first year, I remember a veteran coming in and said, "Well, at least I get paid on Monday," and that was blasphemy to a badger. Like I lost. Like I'm a rookie. I lost my. I went crazy. Like, what you mean you get paid? Like, where, where your pride at? Where your integrity at? Like, I, I went off because that's just not what was bred in me. And then you start to realize that, yeah, Friday night lights are cool, but nights in the Camp Randall are a different vibe. Nighttime in Camp Randall is a different vibe. Our fans are the best. They've been tailgating since they've, they've been tailgating for 48 hours. So everybody's got a, everybody got a beer in their hand. Everybody's got a good vibe going on, a little tipsy the crowd is crazy and i mean playing at camp randall um it was a phenomenal experience man i mean good story one of my teammates is actually the creator uh brought the jump around to camp randall ryan sundrop uh ryan sundrop from uh fort collins colorado was a freshman we came in together as a freshman he was working in the uh media department at the time uh, he had got hurt uh career cut a little bit short this was out like right after we left. And then it just all of a sudden came up with the idea to jump around. And now it's a, you know, college, college football tradition. Right. We didn't have that, but we had some wild and crazy fans. And we still had the fifth quarter. You know, we still had the fifth quarter, which was which was wild. But I mean, the turf was hard. The turf was cold. You had cherries all up and all up and down your arm, you know, from uh, playing at Camp Randall. And then you started to take pride in the cold weather. I remember our intimidation factor would be it'd be like zero degrees. We'll all come out and warm ups without our shirts on. And they're like, you guys are crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, it's cold. Y'all cold. We we not cold. Right. <laughs> so that was kind of the mindset. I mean, but I had yeah, but wait, while wow, you're freezing though. Yeah. Yeah. Man, no, 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 no secret, secret. We used to put Vaseline on to kind of cover it up a little bit <laughs> before we went out there. But I mean, look at the I look at um that first year, um, I didn't red shirt. Uh, starting corners were Kenny Gales and Donnie Brady, Jeff Messenger, and I think uh, Jamel Brown, Melvin Tucker, head coach at Michigan State now, uh, taught me a lot at that time. And running back, we had Brett Moss, 
you know, rest in peace, you know, to him and Terrell Fletcher. We had Corey Raymer. We, like I said, we saw, I saw Lee Doremus got hurt beginning of that year, but I mean, the Badgers were, were stacked, you know, JC Dawkins, you know, all those guys, man. And we just had a really, really good team and to witness um, what they had accomplished. I think we felt a sense of pride because they were coming off their first Rose Bowl. So we wanted to kind of match that. I always say that we kind of brought the program down because it, it was booking Rose Bowls. They won a Rose Bowl the year before we got there, and they won a Rose Bowl the year we left. So I say I tell people all the time, we, we were probably the problem, that class. So <laughs> we never got our Rose Bowl victory. Uh, but we held it down enough to where we set foundations for the Jamar Fletchers, the Mike Eccles, the, you know, all those guys that came after us. You know what I mean? So uh, the tradition – I think I'm more proud of that than anything. You know, I, I would tell recruits that, you know, when you come into Wisconsin, you are given a brick. And how you lay that brick in the foundation of this program is going to be up to you. So I feel good about the brick that I left in Madison. I think it helped build some things up. I think the guys that came after us in that DB room were a lot better, but we taught them like some some really good lessons as far as mentally and how to accept the program. And so what to watch them, to watch Jamar go and be – the Jim Thorpe Award winner, right? To watch, you know, Mike Eccles go and do great things at Tennessee. To watch, you know, Chris Doring, all those guys that like, have NFL careers, Bobby Myers and all those guys that were in that room that were younger than us, that learned from us to watch those guys go out and have great NFL careers. Uh, one of the things I'm really, really, really proud of that I had, even if it was a small part, you know, play in their success and to watch those guys go on and have great careers. Wait, that that freshman class was a, was really good. The one when you were a senior, was that um, – uh, that was Jason Chris Chambers. Doring. That was uh, I say Chris. I'm sorry, Jason Doring. That was Jay Doe. That was Jay Doe. Chris Chambers, Jamar Fletcher, Mike Eccles, Joey uh, Bose. Bo, no, Bose was the year right after I left. Yeah. Uh, but Eddie Falk and those guys were there. Eddie Faulkner and all like it was a really good freshman class of dudes that came Damn. in my senior year, and those guys went on and won their Rose Bowls, won their back to back Rose Bowls, had great college careers, great. And an NFL career. So Camp Randall is always going to be a special place, great place to play. You know, I try to get back to Madison every uh, chance I get. Stadium looks a lot different than when we play. You know, I have the new additions now, but that's just the nature of uh, the game. But, you know, phenomenal experience, Hammer. You know how it is, man. Running out there in Camp Randall, especially when Minnesota came to town and or Iowa came to town. Like, it was always a huge, a huge, huge. battle. Yeah, it was huge, huge game, huge battle. And you know, walking home from the game, you got people giving you brats, they giving you beers, they giving you all, all, all kind of stuff on the way home. So it was always a good time. Madison is special. Everybody, is. Well, everybody that knows I'm going to Wisconsin always say we have the best game day experience that they've ever been to. And yeah, I'm I I commend you for making it through the game day because <laughs> most out of towners can. So I I commend them for that. So I, I got to ask you though, for the on your the pro side of your career now, right. you you were obviously beloved in Madison when you played there, but they can't have loved you when you took a Brett Favre pick six to the house, can they? So yes, um, one of the best moments of being a Lion is we go to play Green Bay. Um, the first year I was starting, I didn't start my first year. I was mainly special teams my first year. Played a little bit of nickel my second year. I was a starter by my third year. And we go back to Green Bay to play. And they do the starting lineups. And um, do the. it was defense that day. 
And when we do the starting lineups, you run out the tunnel. And I run out the tunnel. And in Green Bay, the whole crowd is screaming, soup, 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 like, like they used to do in college. <laughs> that got me so hyped for that game. Oh, my God. Like, to know that even though I was with the Lions, that the fan base remembered me three years later for my uh, collegiate career and was screaming my name coming out for the start. I mean, that was a sign of respect that showed you, I think, the the, the power and the respect and, and, and the fan base that Wisconsin is. And, yeah, I took Brett Favre back, but he threw everybody a pick, so I don't really feel that special, like <laughs> – Kind of lead the NFL yeah. interceptions. Like, I don't, I don't feel too special. He's threatening to everybody. So, I was just one of the guys that grabbed one from him. You know, so. Do you keep the ball? Good feeling. Of course I kept the ball. Of course I kept the <laughs> okay, ball. Good. Yeah, Brett Favre and went to Wisconsin. Of course I had to keep the football. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, with the last couple minutes we got, I want to talk to you about what, what you're doing now with the Seahawks. You were in the Bears front office for a while. Just talk to us about like the right. actual role that you have taken on in this phase of your career, because I think what you're doing is kind of new and unique and like one of Bernie's favorite words, special. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, player engagement and football operations, and that means you no know, scouting, uh, putting plans together for guys, navigating guys. You know, we all know this is a mental game, right? And character is huge for me. One, I come from a character program. My coach had character. And I think those are values that, you know, I gained not only growing up with, with my family, but also at Wisconsin. So being a part of Seahawks organization itself is, is a team that values character. It values the man. You can be extremely, extremely talented, but will you be the right fit for the culture that uh, Coach Carroll and John Schneider have, you know, built here? And they're building something back up here. You know, love the people. You know, Pacific Northwest is definitely a, a different vibe. The fan base reminds me a lot of Madison, you know, playing at that stadium and, and very, very, very loud. Um, but ultimately to make sure that not only is he a great player, but he's also a great man. And I think those go hand in hand. I think, you know, if we're able to navigate them on a playing field, their after football careers. Uh, as you mentioned, we were talking earlier, Bernie, before we started re recording, right? The transition from player to what we used to call back in the day civilian is tough. So with the money that these guys making, the opportunities and marketing dollars and the way the NIL is set up, you know, being here and being in a position to help these men not only guide them through the day-to-day -day of NFL life, but day-to-day -day through their life outside of football can help these guys be successful long-term. And ultimately, that's what we want. We want we want football to be a springboard. We want this opportunity to be a springboard for you to be successful long-term when this game is over. As we mentioned earlier, the average NFL career is three years. How can you maximize your three years? How can you turn that three years to four, then four to five, then five to six, right? That's what I enjoy every day is watching the young men grow. And then also working with one of my mentors uh, who mentored me in player engagement. Uh, I'm actually working for him now. So he's my direct report. So, you know, everything comes full circle. So you have an opportunity, you have you have an opportunity to get here and work work with these guys day in and day out. You know, great men, great fathers, great brothers, great sons. And ultimately, we want to get between the white lines. We want to kick your ass. We want to win a Super Bowl. But outside of that, <laughs> we want them to be great men off the field as well, too. So I think that's what brings me joy, you know, with the role that I have now here in Seattle. It's it's something that I think football players need more and more of. Yeah. I definitely needed yeah. it. I'm sure everyone needs it at some point to say, dude, what are you going to do after? And like, let's yeah. really talk about it. Right. Right. And, and, and it's a slippery slope, right? Because you know, the, the, the rigors of football. So 
time management, like all the things we learn in college, right? Time management, how to manage our time. You know, when we did study, have mercy. I wouldn't have, yeah, that's a whole another story. But you don't know what you don't know, right, Hammer? You don't, you, you don't know what you don't know. And learning how to navigate being a player and then outside life, you'd be surprised, man, because you don't have class anymore in the NFL. You don't got to worry about, you know, getting to class or writing a paper, you know, Idle hands are the devil's playground, right? How do you really use your your downtime wisely to help build your life off out of that? And one thing about the league now, they create these opportunities for you. Um, being here in Seattle, one thing I've saw is that the alumni here, the guys that have come through this program, are doing amazing things outside the field. Wine, restaurants, uh uh, marketing like they really build that culture up to where not only are you a great football player and play well for the city but they set you up for success off the field so for me every day i'm 47 years old man i still bring a sponge to work every day and i'm learning every day lifelong learner right like you can always get better you can always find new ways to do things you can always find new ways to connect with guys and see how coaches pull a lot of guys see the psychology of a guy see how, i mean the way that they even eat now the training all those things that are available to them, how do we help them navigate them to be the best player and the best man? So every day is a learn learning experience for me, and it'll always be that way. I think that is a perfect place for us to wrap it up here today, Soup. We cannot thank you enough. This has been a long time coming. I've been looking forward to this. I know, Bernie man. I was, I, was just, I was just telling my lady, man, you know, I've been we've been missing it for a minute, right? Like we've been trying to get on and trying to get off, trying, trying, trying to get on. And so I'm glad I had a chance to finally jump on with you guys, man. I mean, you guys have been phenomenal, man. I want to wish you guys the best of luck. You know, the guys are in Platteville now. I'm looking forward to seeing Luke Fick on those guys. They, they actually come up here to Washington State. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing that rematch because Washington State came to Madison and got us last year. And I work with a lot of Washington State people here in Seattle. So <laughs> I would love some bragging rights. So I'm hoping Luke Fick on the boys come up here and, uh, and, and take care of business, man. But I want to thank you guys for having me, Hammer. Congratulations on everything, man. I see you making moves out there, Matt. Appreciate you guys as well, too, man. Let's 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 do it again. You know, hopefully, I don't see you guys till after the Super Bowl in Vegas. Uh, maybe jump on after that. That's always <laughs> the goal. That's always the goal, man. But I appreciate you guys finally making that happen, man. I'm glad we got on. So we're lucky to have you, man. Absolutely. It's, it's really a pleasure, and thank you. Yeah. We didn't even talk football for like an hour. <laughs> we didn't need to. That's the beautiful thing. That is what so I selfishly cool. love about our show is that we don't need yeah. to talk football to have a good time and learn a heck of a lot. So, and we hope that you all listening out there and watching on YouTube are enjoying and learning a lot as well. So, thank you again for tuning into the Believe in Badgers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag and Oakbridge Wealth Management. Make sure you are subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube page and. Until next time, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin, guys. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.